AI will be able to create a unique piece of content for every user or personalize that content to the user um, based on what they like. So, you know, that's what, that's what the future looks like for us. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. To, today with me, we have James Creech, that is the SVP strategy at Brandwatch. Uh, if you're new to the show, uh, you can follow us uh, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We have new guests every single Wednesday morning. Enjoy the show. Hey, James, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Alessandro. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've been seeing all your posts on LinkedIn over, you know, the past months and years. So finally, we're able to make like, you know, this episode and go through a lot of things, right? All your predictions and social media, what is happening in the creator economy, what happening, you know, all these uh, social media battles, right? And so on. So it's going to be very, very packed, I already know, as an episode, and I love it. But first of all, <laughs> Who is James? Uh, what what I like? You know what what are you building lately? What are you working on? And tell us a bit more about your journey so far. So I'm an entrepreneur who's worked in influencer marketing in the creator economy for over a decade. I started my career in ad tech, uh, working at a startup here in LA. Uh, spent two and a half years there, and then worked in the MCN heyday, right? Working with uh, creators um, in in uh, helping them grow their brands and work with advertisers. And around that time, you know, this was still the early days of, of helping digital talent. Uh, we were doing uh, brand deals mostly by hand, right? Very manual. It was, it was screenshots, spreadsheets, email. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably remember those days too. Oh, yeah. Right? So <laughs> out of necessity, my two partners and I decided to start building some software. Uh, and that was the inspiration for what became Paladin. So we launched um, our business, uh, Paladin, the influencer marketing platform in 2016, grew that over six years. Uh, sold the business to Brandwatch last year. Brandwatch is a big mm -hmm. consumer intelligence, so social listening, social media management um, platform and uh, wanted to expand into influencer marketing. So um, we sold the business to Brandwatch and I, I came aboard to lead um, strategies. So focusing on uh, corporate development, strategic partnerships and other kind of uh, long-term initiatives within the business. So that's you know, my, my background in a nutshell, in addition to my quote unquote day job, right? I, an angel investor, um, active advisor for first time founders and early stage entrepreneurs. I do a lot of M&A advisory work, which is fun to help other uh, entrepreneurs navigate the, the sale process. Um, and uh, I'm active on LinkedIn, right? I've been a podcaster for a number of years, though, relatively uh, delinquent about uploading new episodes recently. So I've um, been more active on LinkedIn where I share you know, news updates and insights around the creator economy. Amazing. And how did the, let's say, influencer marketing change it, right? Because both of us have been in for like 10 plus years, I guess, right now. So how did it change it? Like, is it is it for the best? Is it like actually for the worst? What is, what is, what is trending right now? And also, what do you think that is the position right now for brands and, and content creators and influencers? Like, you know, as you said before, it was very manual work. Uh, a guess type of like, you know, numbers and metrics. Now we said you have all these platforms and so on, but at the same time, sometimes uh, because of the everything that you have, maybe there is more, more confusion. So what, what do you think that is happening right now compared to 10 years yeah. ago? Oh gosh, there's been so many changes, right? In the early mm -hmm. days, we talked a lot about YouTube. YouTube was kind of the first oh, yeah. uh, social platform where this activity happened. We had YouTubers. This was before the term influencer, before creators uh, became more prevalent. Uh, then you had Vine, Instagram, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, over time, Facebook, Snapchat, Musical.ly, now TikTok, right? a lot of evolution in terms oh, yes. of the platforms that are important, the content formats that influencers are using. Um, 
So it's constantly evolving and changing. At the same time, it's kind of, it's not really anything new. We've had celebrity endorsements, affiliate marketing, um, you know, brand ambassadors for a long time. These are just the new incarnations of word of mouth or um, influential celebrity marketing, which has taken a new form in the digital era. Um, mm -hmm. I guess one of the trends I'm particularly excited about or tracking closely these days is um, the growing importance of B2B creators, right? On yeah. social platforms, certainly like LinkedIn is I think the obvious choice that comes to mind, but now you've got threads, you know, from Instagram, you've got, mm -hmm. um, of course, Twitter, uh, but also people sharing educational content on TikTok or YouTube um, and even off of social on, on newsletters or podcasts. So um, the rise of the B2B creator, the, these professionals who are sharing their experience is kind of an interesting trend to watch. Amazing. And we're going to talk about B2B influencers and content creator later during the episode. I have some questions for you on that because I know that awesome. you're passionate about it. I'm also as well. And also we touched base on that in a previous episode. So very interesting topic. Uh, but, you know, let's jump into that. So as mentioned before, you have a lot of different predictions that I think that you posted either last year or at the beginning of the year. And so very curious to go and, you know, each of them basically analyze them, right? Because uh, predictions sometimes could be a hit or miss. Sometimes you get it totally. Other times you think or all society thinks it's going to go in a certain direction. And I think changes right especially on social media it's so sometimes unstable in a way right to really predict what is going to happen so um the first one that you said it's about robots it said robots will take over your social feed and you said like you know facebook instagram and youtube will copy tiktok uh, tiktok's approach to algorithm discovery and content recommendation from these uh, from those that you don't follow right so instead of uh, the typical thing at the beginning you follow certain people and then you go on a network base this is basically on interest base right mm -hmm. so how do you feel it's like, do you think is that's still the case? Is gonna, are, are we gonna still see more on the discovery mode uh, from the next years to come? Absolutely, right. And to put it in context, um, you know, the, the first version of social networking, MySpace and Facebook were these broadcast platforms where we essentially mm -hmm. brought our real life experiences into the digital world, right? So you and I were yeah. our friends, we could connect on Facebook or MySpace and have a conversation. But over time, we found it was more interesting to follow professional creators, right? And, and that's where platforms like Instagram and YouTube rose to prominence, still that broadcast mechanism, but a professional creator or celebrity does something interesting pretty much every day versus our friends maybe do something interesting once a month, right? Just the, the volume mm -hmm. of content and experience is slightly different. Um, and now we've entered an era ushered in by TikTok where AI can curate the best of the internet, personalized, tailored exactly to your tastes and preferences 24 seven, right? So I don't have mm -hmm. to go looking for the content you know, it learns what I like and it'll, it'll suggest that to me. Um, and all of the other platforms are following suit, right? Instagram made a big push in this direction last year. Uh, you probably remember the backlash, right? Um, the Kardashians yeah. and others were leading the charge of uh, make Instagram Instagram again. And so they backed mm -hmm. off, but clearly um, they're still trending in that direction. YouTube with shorts, um, you know, Snapchat with its spotlight feature and these other short form players are leaning into AI curation and algorithmic discovery. And it, we're only going to see that accelerate as um, generative AI tools become more popular for creators and, and on social in general. Eventually, AI will be able to create a unique piece of content for every user or personalize that content to the user um, based on what they like. So 
you know, that's what that's what the future looks like for us. Interesting. Also, when you say about, you know, the difference between seeing your friends posting maybe once in a while, or also maybe not that interesting sometimes, right? Because it could be, yeah, food that you're eating or whatever, compared to maybe, you know, a celeb or an important influencer that might have a more exciting life, right? And some YouTubers, some TikTokers, every day they do something different. And that's why you want to keep like, you know, on the network, right? Sorry, on the interest base more than, than the network of people that you know. And, yeah. and, and also on that, like, you know, you mentioned, you know, of course, many times about TikTok and TikTok made a revolution, right? So you also wrote about the short form and you said short form videos will remain a key battleground, right? So everybody's taking the attention there. I have a couple of questions for you on these. One, what do you think is the future of short form videos? And two, do you think that it's going to stay? And, and, and that what I mean is that everyone started realizing that a lot of TikTokers were not able to actually form a, a strong relationship with their followers. What I say all the time is that many TikTokers are commodities, right? If they get removed from the entertainment app, right? You whatever, someone else is going to take your place. So what yep. do you think about that? The the the, the balance between uh, content creators with the short form videos and also long form videos. Well, the short form video is um, really popular among users, right? We like mm -hmm. the ability to kind of quickly see uh, snackable short pieces of content. Yeah. It's also really popular for platforms and advertisers because it gives you longer session times and the ability to serve more advertisements, right? So if you look at time spent with youth, right, on various social platforms, TikTok is heads and shoulders above the competition, right? Like the average um, user spends over 90 minutes a day on TikTok, which is pretty wild. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you're watching 100 pieces of content versus, you know, an average session on YouTube, maybe two videos, Instagram, maybe a dozen photos, videos, carousels. Um, if you're watching 100 videos on TikTok, that's a lot more opportunities to serve an ad, right? You've got interstitials or pre-rolls kind of between video. Um, and that just means better monetization opportunities for the platform. So given those economic incentives, right? I think um, short form video is, is pretty sticky and it's, it's not going anywhere. Um, you, you raise a, a, a challenge though, which is that as a creator, you mm -hmm. don't have as much staying power or recognition as you do on other platforms because the AI is gonna make you hop around from you know one video to the next and you might not be looking at the profile or the account you know that surfaced that. Whereas on YouTube where it's more search driven or um, Instagram where you follow certain creators and you wanna see everything that they post, you don't have that same experience on, on TikTok. Uh, so that, create some anonymity, right, for these, uh, these, these large personalities, which is wild because, you know, you go to an event like VidCon and um, these TikTokers with, you know, a million plus followers try to do a meet and greet and they have no one show up or a fraction of the attendance mm -hmm. of, you know, a YouTuber with 10,000 subscribers. So um, it just goes to show you that, you know, a follower has a different value on each platform. And I think what each, what creators need to remember is that at the end of the day, the platform owns your audience. So you need to find ways to convert people off platform to build the direct to fan relationship and then also have a chance to monetize those fans off platform. Hello, is your brand ready to amplify its reach? Well, the Influencer Marketing Factory is here to do just that. We are a global influencer marketing agency helping brands ignite their growth from influencer identification to campaign strategy, handling legalities and agreements to managing shipping and logistics. We have it all covered. We work with hundreds of brands across different verticals from Fortune 500 companies to DTC brands. And we don't just stop there. With detailed ROI analysis, we help brands like yours measure success, transforming impressions into actionable conversions. 
You can find us at the influencermarketingfactory.com or just search the influencer marketing factory on Google. Totally. And that's why, you know, we're all the time talking more going from audience to community, right? So an active community that actually can interact with you. And I'm pretty sure that you've also been in some Discord channels, right? Uh, and servers where mm -hmm. actually there are YouTubers being like, hey, roast me for this video. Um, you know, tell me which uh, thumbnails do you prefer, right? So uh, do you have any 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 either case studies or, or you think success stories of uh, YouTubers or other current content creators going from community to, sorry, from audience to to community, anyone comes to your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can just cite some examples of my favorite YouTubers, yeah. um, folks like Cody Ko, Drew Gooden, um, uh, Danny Gonzalez, right? And, and look, the, YouTube will remain an important part of their strategy. They create content mm -hmm. there. It's the top of the funnel. It's the discovery mechanism. But increasingly, they're converting people to come to my live show, listen to my podcast, um, you know, follow my content on other platforms, join my Patreon or my private membership. And so all of those create additional touch points between the the creator and the fan so it deepens that fandom experience but it also gives them more of a chance to kind of diversify so they you know, reduce risk from their primary platform and then build a relationship and, and multiple touch points with that that person especially the super fans you know off platform mm -hmm. absolutely uh, very important to you know we discussed it many times uh, minimize right the risk of being all in one like you know place all the eggs in one basket also then multiply your revenue stream even when you're not working somehow right exactly. so memberships uh, you know sponsorship and and uh, and uh, in like private membership and, and so on uh, and so your third uh, you know uh, um, prediction here so is we, we go from tiktok youtube uh, they work very well you know instagram and outlets so for everything that works well there are also things that uh, have maybe a peak of uh, visibility and then, you know, they basically plummet, you know, and that is be real. And you said be real will be gone. Uh, mm -hmm. Now this was like a few months ago. I was personally never really bullish on it. I thought it was an okay idea, but just a feature to be honest. Yeah. And something that, you know, you do it maybe with your friends, but again, after a while it's, I don't know. Personally, I find it a bit boring to be honest. What do you think about it now? So apart from be real, and you can comment on that, what do, why do you think that many apps uh, uh, they have this peak of, uh, you know, like, you know, you know, um, audience attention and everything. Uh, what was also the other name there? Paparazzi and also others, right? They, yeah, they have like, right. Yeah. right. The Dispo, for example, you know, I mean, in that case, it was also like the scandal and everything that kind of, mm -hmm. you know, ruined the, the, the growth. Yeah. Why do you think that it's, uh, for Be Real, was it like, you know, so successful? What happened there? Why these apps are not able to get retention and traction? Well, first of all, it's hard, right? Like building a mm -hmm. new social platform is incredibly challenging. Uh, and, you know, I made this prediction close to a year ago. So it was a hot yeah. take at the time. It's probably become <laughs> a bit more of a mainstream opinion by now. And it's not, not a criticism, right? I think Be Real um, struck a chord and, and captured the cultural zeitgeist, built something really cool and powerful. It was also nice to see, you know, a French startup uh, be very yep. successful, right? Like most of these platforms come out of Silicon Valley and you know, very US centric. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to kind of, yeah, we want more social platforms. We want to have, um, you know, success stories from all over the world. Uh, I think the challenge with Be Real was, first of all, you have incumbents who are looking to copy the new features. And we've seen this, you know, play out time and time again. Uh, Snapchat gets really popular because of stories, ephemeral content, Instagram, and then later Facebook come along, copy that. You even had um, YouTube and Twitter, right? Launching copycat versions mm -hmm. over time. Didn't really work out. Most of those platforms have moved away from the story format, but it's become kind of ubiquitous on platforms where it makes sense. So you still have, you know, Instagram stories and it's become a really popular feature. 
Um, you had the same thing with live audio. Clubhouse rose to prominence, right? Everyone gets excited oh, yeah. about social audio during the pandemic. Um, the hype cycle kind of plays out and we didn't figure out uh, a real community for creators or, or monetization strategy. And so people move on, those features get copycatted by LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera. Um, and now the latest is what, you know, this dual camera format, and then also the ability to have um, uh, the, the two minute prompts, right? This kind of spontaneous photo where uh, we're capturing real moments, right? That, that's a reaction mm -hmm. against the perfect polish, you know, beautiful image you portray on Instagram. So there's something there that, I mean, they, they really, they struck something, but the challenge is converting that initial success into sustained momentum, right? If, if TikTok and others are gonna roll out a copycat feature, you need to continue to innovate. You need to develop, you know, native talent on that platform, give new creators a chance to grow in popularity, um, but also have a monetization plan. You can't just say, you know, we hope you get big and then you can figure out how to convert to brand deals because that's not sustainable anymore. Mm -hmm. Creators need, you know, a really solid plan on how to build a business. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, back in the day it was like, oh, it's a hobby. Maybe I'm going to make a few bucks. Now you need to have a plan. Then what happened at the time with Vine, right? I feel that mm -hmm. they didn't have a plan for monetization and all these people were like, yeah, I'm all doing all this content for free. Let me let me go and run to YouTube, right? And many of them, they become big YouTubers, right? And then- It's such a shame. I mean, some yeah. incredible talent that started on Vine and you're right, like many of them have gone on to be successful King Bash and um, obviously like Logan and Jake Paul started mm -hmm. on Vine and, and uh, figured out how to become the reality TV stars of YouTube. So there clearly was an evolution there, but such a missed opportunity, I think from Twitter, um, mm -hmm. that this was the first short form video app. It was incredibly creative, um, incredibly, uh, you know, amazing content and, and yeah. talent that grew up on that platform and Twitter ended up shutting it down. And, and here we are fast forward, you know, and TikTok is so successful. If mm -hmm. Vine had figured out just how to kind of continue to innovate and expand on that opportunity, it could be a very different world today. Yeah. It would be interesting, you know, uh, you know, sort of a variation of the world that we have right now, uh, with, with Vine still, uh, still TikTok would yeah. be still different, very different apps. In my opinion, many people say that they were like similar in my opinion, were like quite different on, on many aspects, but absolutely it would be been interesting to see if, if Twitter capitalized on that. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and now was like something that uh, I'm very interested in also, and there is your fourth uh, prediction is, uh, about, you know, influencers, you said influencer will become a direct response channel and you say affiliate marketing will overtake pay to post as brands embrace performance driven influencer campaigns. Can you, can you expand a bit more on that? So even for people, maybe they might not be familiar with the concept of affiliate market and, um, and performance driven, if you can just, you know, uh, explain a bit more, what, what do you mean by that? You know, most influencer campaigns today are pay to post, right? The mm -hmm. brand um, asks an influencer to produce a piece of sponsored content, um, they pay them a fee, and then it goes live on the influencer's channel. I think increasingly, we're going to see what well, we have seen, right, a shift from uh, overall awareness, so top of funnel campaigns, to moving down funnel and focusing on conversion, and um, influencers building longer term partnerships with brands and driving uh, you know, whether it's affiliate deals um, through platforms like LTK or Magic Links, um, but also uh, increasingly doing these kind of always on branded sponsorships. And so um, given that influencer marketing is so effective, right, brands continue to come back and spend with influencers because it works, right? These creators have a loyal, engaged audience. They've built trust with their fans and um, that allows them to convert to customers very well. We're going to see more and more brands leveraging creators as a direct response channel, not just as, you know, a top of funnel 
um, vanity metric or awareness uh, play. Since we're, you know, talking about, we went from, from like, you know, these just like, you know, you post to like, you know, um, pay to post and then, you know, like uh, looking more into the affiliate marketing and so on. One of your prediction also, uh, it's about social commerce, right? We also working on our report about social commerce when it was like, this is going to be the next big thing. Actually didn't happen. Uh, the US is still uh, struggling with that. What is happening in China is working well now for 10 years. Indonesia also are doing a lot of things there. The UK, like TikTok UK has the opportunity, the possibility to buy in-app directly without leaving the app. Uh, so in a very smooth, uh, like, you know, uh, process there. So why do you, why do you think that uh, social commerce is not uh, taking like you know it's not having the right traction in the US and the, I would say the majority of Europe as well? Obviously there are significant cultural differences between US and Europe and China. Um so that is, you know, a large part of of why we haven't seen as as strong adoption here. Um mm -hmm. I think there's opportunity it just takes time, right? We're educating the market, you know, more and more people are getting comfortable shopping online, shopping from influencers. And what's surprising is we're not seeing the success driven necessarily by the platforms. You have Instagram shops, TikTok shops, and, and the platforms will continue to invest there. But um, increasingly, like the real success stories in the West seem to be these off-platform solutions, like Whatnot, uh, Orca, uh, Network, Talkshop Live, right? All of these um, interesting combinations of media so creating unique content hype and drops around a specific influencer or a specific piece of unique content and um, the social shopping experience uh they're they're combining that technology and that media or entertainment expertise um in you know in a new environment off off the core platforms i think that's where we're going to continue to see the success here in the west what do you think of like you know technically speaking because sometimes i found that social commerce is still you know, for certain like, you know, platforms, uh, it's still a bit difficult to navigate, right? You basically, um, not all the products, uh, you can buy them directly on the app. You have to go to a third party website that usually is embedded in the browser of the social media that doesn't have the same cookies or login. You have to re-enter your credit cards and so on. Why do you think that social media are not offering yet like a, a real integration with uh, with that and also uh, and also second question on that why do you think that majority of social media have not yet included um either promo code or a discount code for influencers so that they can also make money again with sort of affiliate marketing like why are we so slow in this process <laughs> it's shocking right you would think yeah. some of these things would be so easy especially the idea of promo codes or coupon codes because if the influencer can provide something of value to their audience hey yeah. here's a discount you get from being my fan and then that gives you nice tracking to report back to the brand you know, it seems like a win for everybody. I, I do hope we see more of those types of activations, but um, it is surprising that the platforms haven't really natively figured that out yet. Yeah, it's it's very like, you know, I don't know, all the time that I see what is happening in China and, you know, they have all these uh, things happening during, uh, let's say, live stream shopping, for example, right? So it's time sensitive, it's, there is FOMO, there are like very big like promo uh, discounts, for example, hey, if you only join now during the live streaming, it's going to be 70% off. Or if you do social commerce, maybe you're going to have like a big discount on shipping or shipping for free. I'm not seeing the same like in the West. So that's why I think it's missing enough incentive. I don't know if you agree on that, but I think that incentive part is missing. And, you know, in that, in that case, I'm going to just go on, on Amazon, right? To find the same whenever I want instead of being, being there. So I think you're right. There's too much friction in the process right now. Mm -hmm. We need to 
make it easier for people. And then we also, um, yeah, need to provide the right incentives to creators and brands to align the shopping mm-hmm. activity. And talking about incentive, I want to also jump back to one other of your like, you know, prediction that is about TikTok um, ad, right? And uh, all the time, you know, incentive might be interesting for everyone involved, right? So social commerce mm-hmm. should be incentive for the user that is the customer, but also for the brands, right? And and then another incentive should be also for content creators, right? So one of your prediction was TikTok will expand at the um, monetizations, right? So what do you think that might be some other opportunities? Because YouTube has the CPM models, you can put different you know ads segments in. With TikTok, it's a bit more difficult. They're trying to do something similar to put ads next to your post and everything. How how can you? Uh, help content creators potentially if you were TikTok? So TikTok uh, has a few monetization options for creators today. They have the Pulse program, which is uh, ad revenue sharing available for the top 4% of videos every month. Um, they have a variety of creator funds. Uh, sometimes they run challenges and bonuses. And then you know through live streaming, you can get kind of tips and donations. And in fact, TikTok outperforms all of the competitors when it comes to live monetization mm-hmm. from fan tipping. So they've gotten some things right, But I really do think that ad ad revenue sharing, that ad monetization piece is so essential for most creators. You look at YouTube, which is really the gold standard for creator monetization, and um, they pay out roughly, you know, 50% of of the revenue they click from advertisers every year to creators, right? That's a a pretty powerful um, thing, and it's billions of dollars. And a lot of that comes from ad revenue sharing. So um, they launched with Shorts back in February, uh, the, the monetization program, which allows creators that qualify for the YouTube partner program to be eligible for ad monetization. Now you have to meet certain requirements, you know, certain number mm-hmm. of uploads and viewership, but it's a lot lower threshold than just the top 4% of content. So I think that puts the pressure on TikTok and other platforms to really figure out ad, ad monetization. Um, I suspect TikTok will announce something before the end of the year. I, I think they have to, to remain competitive. And, um, you know, then all eyes will be on, uh, on reels for both Facebook and Instagram, as well as potentially spotlight you know, from Snapchat to, uh, to provide better ad revenue share. Yeah, I have this feeling that, as you correctly said, if, if they stop integrating new things and all the time incentivize, like, you know, people, at the end of the day, it's not a hobby anymore for anyone here involved, right? It's, it's, it's no. a proper job. You spend many hours in editing, in fo- like getting your follower base and everything. So, yeah, I do agree. Like, the moment that either one of these is going to stop giving enough to content creators, they're going to fly somewhere else, right? I have, I have this feeling. Yeah. So, um, and and on the contrary of like content creators that you know they are human beings right they have feelings they have uh, their own like you know things to take care of and families and and jobs and 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 school then on the other side you have virtual influencers right that they are basically they they don't have feelings (laughs) apart from maybe the developer that is uh, like writing the code or the graphic designer designing the cgi um and and so it's so much different right because you can still have something there but without uh, necessarily having to you know fly someone in or asking for availabilities right so you said that more brands will call up with with virtual influencer uh and it it also said like brands will uh, seek to cash in on the growing popularity of cgi influencers so first of all for people listening who is a cgi influencer like if you had to describe it little michaela is an incredibly popular example right these um uh, ai generator computer generated uh influencers that that uh speak and sound like a creator that you might follow uh, and mm-hmm. people build these relationships these parasocial bonds with virtual influencers much like they do a regular creator 
Um, but it gives the brand a little bit more comfort and control over, you know, who this person is, what they're going to say, right? It's a little bit more of a polished presence. Um, another good example is Barbie, right? Like Mattel has leaned mm -hmm. into uh, revising or revitalizing the, the Barbie brand and bringing Barbie to life as a virtual influencer. You have the Barbie movie now, right? Kind of continuing to showcase the power of that marketing engine. Um, and so they've been really savvy with their, their social strategy and leveraging virtual influencers to, um, you know, invite a new generation of, of fans to, to support Barbie. Do you think that it's mostly for younger generation because it's something that it's, uh, it comes from maybe more the gaming side, for example, so people used to CGI, or do you think that can be also adapted to, let's say, older generation that are not very familiar with that type of relationship between human being and something that is not real? It, it probably appeals primarily to, um, to kids and, and younger audiences, mm -hmm. but I think that could change over time, right? You have, um, you know, anime and uh, animation content becoming more popular, even for adults. Some of the most popular, you know, TV series are animation content. And so if you can you know, bring those characters to life or create, you know, content for older audiences that, um, that leverages virtual influencers, I think we will absolutely see you know, more of that activity happening and, and people um, being excited mm -hmm. about uh, virtual influencers. Interesting, interesting. I'm, I'm also curious too. Um, you know, there was like a sort of peak and then it went down and then peak again. So please trying to stabilize a bit more uh, similar to other categories uh, in the influencer marketing. And uh, fantastic. So these were the majority of the, you know, like predictions that I wanted to, to check on. But after that, many other things, right, uh, appeared on social media, you know, like uh, uh, industry, of course. And some of them, it's, uh, there have been like, asking for more than a year and was like why the heck like youtube doesn't have an ab testing for thumbnail and it was like more than a year ago and finally you know the news came out and everything it's just for i think a few beta right um users to test it out so first of all Correct. what do you think about it and and also yeah. do you think that this can be the not the beginning but can can it be a, a big support to going from uh, again, you know, um, homemade sort of like videos and also trying to understand like, you know, your, your data and metrics to a more professional uh, approach to, uh, you know, video making and, and content creation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yes, YouTube announced the AB testing feature. It's in a beta uh, testing phase now, primarily for large creators. They're going to roll it out um, to a, a broader beta over the course of this year and then plan for a general public release in 2024. Um, people have been clamoring for this feature for a long time. So oh, yeah. very uh, uh, strong excitement around VidCon and the announcement. Um, and look, you know, I think a lot of people uh, on YouTube, a lot of YouTube creators are data nerds who uh, love obsessing about thumbnail performance and click-through rates and uh, impression, view-through rates, all that kind of fun stuff. So this is another just tool in the toolbox that helps creators really understand what's important. And if you think about it, the thumbnail is, you know, the front page, right? It's the the listing, the advertising that um, invites people to come, uh, you know, uh, to watch your content. And for a big creator like a Mr. Beast, um, you know, that can mean the difference of, of uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of views, right, if you get it right. So they spend a lot of time, care, attention, money, resources, you know, obsessing over these thumbnails and making sure that it's reflective of the content. You want to have a effective click-through rate, but also a high view-through rate. The watch time needs to be strong. So getting that just right is so critical. And that's why I think YouTube wanted to, to release a native feature for A-B thumbnail testing. Absolutely. Can good thumbnail could make or break, right? The, the numbers that they're going to, you know, like uh, uh, achieve during the month. And uh, do you think that other social media 
are missing anything for content creators. So now the A-B testing, uh, YouTube has now, I think more like metrics, for example, so for shorts. Uh, so like they're integrating, but do you think that they are still, and this could be for TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is, do you think that anything crucial is missing right now to make it this even more professional for content creators? Oh gosh, you know, there's a laundry list of uh, features on my wish list for various platforms. <laughs> um, you know, in general, uh, a lot of platforms could improve the analytics they provide to creators. There's been a bigger push for this over mm -hmm. the years to, you know, have um, a better studio or, or uh, creator analytics experience. Um, sometimes that also involves, you know, providing API access and support for API metrics to third-party developers so they can build, you know, uh, tools and, and functionality on top of the native platform analytics that they offer. Um, I spend most of my time on LinkedIn these days, so... I've got a whole uh, a laundry list of features I wish LinkedIn mm -hmm. would provide, like um, you know, better audience demographic data, um, you know, ability to kind of filter or search for your historical posts um, so that you can share them or you know, uh, revisit analytics and post performance. Uh, so yes, there's always you know things that the platforms can improve to help creators out. And I love now that you're mentioning about you know LinkedIn because uh, many people, uh, yourself, myself, many others, yeah, we have the creator mode on, right? So for people mm -hmm. that don't know, it's basically just this way to have more features and tools uh, to help uh, being a content creator on LinkedIn, right? That is primarily B two B, but uh, but uh, it's uh, I think that they did a great job, right? In 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 going from just network based to expanding, right? So. You are very active there. Um, what 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 works and what doesn't? Like, if you are a content creator or someone that is a professional that wants to grow more on LinkedIn, can you can you give us a bit of uh, some tips and tricks? Uh, uh, if you go now today on LinkedIn, how to enhance your profile or like how to get? I don't want to say viral. I I, I don't like that term, but like, you know, how can you get in front of more? Um, I would say targeted people that might become your customer tomorrow. Well, first of all, LinkedIn is an incredibly powerful platform, particularly for professionals like us in our industry, because um, it, the audience is, is tailored specifically to the folks you want to reach. Uh, <laughs> so B2B decision makers, marketers, industry professionals are on LinkedIn. And as you highlighted, the, the platform has been investing significantly in moving from just a job board, right? A resume drop where you go once every few years to look for a new job or keep in touch with old colleagues to becoming a daily content destination, right? And more and more people are getting their news from social media. And that extends to LinkedIn, right? People uh, look to LinkedIn for news, announcements, insights from the, their trusted network. And if you think about um, the creator mode, which, which I absolutely recommend for people who are interested in, in sharing their expertise or becoming a creator on the platform, fewer than 2% of LinkedIn profiles have, um, or around 2%, have LinkedIn creator mode activated. So it's still pretty early and nascent. There's a, a chance mm. to kind of be an early adopter and, and uh, lean into leveraging the, the creator functionality. What that means is you get the ability to... Um, uh, you know, showcase topics that you write about. So you can include up to five hashtags on your profile. Um, you also change the default behavior from a connection to a follower. So you can start to attract followers who just want to kind of read your comment content or, or follow along. Um, and look, yeah, you, you asked for tips. So there's, there's so many things I could get into mm -hmm. about how to improve your performance. Um, the first is figuring out your style and tone of voice. Like what does your, your audience care about? Um, and how do you master, you know, writing for the platform? Um, the second piece is, is uh, you know, thinking about the, the hook and the, the format of the post, right? So even just the kind of the layout and the design of how you structure the writing, how you break it up and use, um, you know, visuals or, or uh, other media to, to kind of tell the story is important. 
Um, you also want to make sure you're optimizing for the algorithm. So there are best practices around when you should post and how to engage your community to uh, ask questions or, or share their perspective in the comments. Um, you know, you want to convert a, a viewer into someone who follows you. So um, like on YouTube, where you invite people to like and subscribe with your content that tells the algorithm, hey, this is a valuable piece of content that you should share with more people. You want to kind of follow those similar best practices on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I could go on and on. I, uh, I share a lot of these tips on LinkedIn. So for those who are interested, I would encourage you to just connect with me or follow my, my content on LinkedIn. And I also teach a, a course with Dylan Harari called um, LI Mastery. So if you go to limastery.com um, or visit my profile, you can learn more about the courses that we, we teach, um, training people how to do thought leadership and build their personal brand on, on the LinkedIn platform. Amazing. Yeah, you, I, I know that people can get so much from LinkedIn because, you know, apart from the vanity metrics is where the connection happens, right? On the contrary, maybe of a 1 million, like, you know, views on TikTok that, yeah, they can bring also sales, of course, and everything, but maybe not that type of relationship on the B2B side. With LinkedIn, maybe you can all accumulate 20 likes, but the quality ones and maybe a couple of comments that can open to a conversation and who knows, right? It's yeah. all about the people they might know in, in the future career, right? I mean, I'll share my experience. I think you and I met on LinkedIn years and years ago, even before maybe yeah. Creator Mode launched, but um, it's been such a valuable platform for me in my career, uh, certainly to connect and meet really interesting people, fascinating entrepreneurs who are building good businesses but also to keep in touch with old friends and to learn, you know, about what's going on in my industry. And, uh, you know, I really started being more active on the platform kind of 2020, 2021. Um, I had friends encouraging me for years, literally years, like, Hey, you know, you should, you should start to share your thoughts on LinkedIn. And I made all the excuses that I think everyone does. Oh, I'm too busy. I don't know what to say. Yeah, right. Like, how do I, how do I figure out how to do this? But something, um, ultimately inspired me to just kind of commit to it. And the results blew me away, right? I'm, I'm still surprised to this day, the, you know, the opportunities that I've gotten for investing, advising, you know, um, new clients, uh, meeting really fascinating people. So I highly recommend it. It's, it's an incredible place to, to share your content and um, to learn and become a better leader in the process. Uh, James, we discussed about many things. Again, I knew it was a, a very packed episode and I love Love that. Um, but maybe I didn't ask you something. Is there anything that uh, either like, you know, again, you know, we didn't uh, go in depth or is there any main topics that you are either excited to talk about or something that you are following closely lately? Well, I may turn the tables on you and ask for your perspective on dark social, right? This is a trend that I've mm -hmm. been tracking and more and more people taking to um, private messaging platforms like Discord, WhatsApp, uh, uh, even Telegram, right? So are you seeing uh, brands embracing these dark social, these harder to measure you know, private conversation platforms for uh, leveraging people who've built kind of big communities? It's a good one. I think that especially, you know, like, you know, new generation, we went from like, you know, being on Facebook where I do remember at the time, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we were going out for maybe a party and then posting a full album of pictures with 300 pictures of them, right? Like it was... a. No over sharing because it was the first time we were able to share every single part of our life now you have gen z that basically they do maybe a photo dump of five pictures and then if they don't like them after a few months they're gonna go on instagram and remove them right <laughs> so it's 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 now it's like we don't want to post it everything online but as you correctly said you have more people in uh the only challenge i would say with dark it is that um, it's already difficult sometimes to track things online when it's public let alone when it's like you know in a in a closed uh you know group of people uh, think just about privacy right uh, you know it's very difficult to say who saw the post uh, if you 
let's say you know if we want to do it like you know whatsapp for example something is like whatsapp for business is a bit different because still like you know sort of like inside but it's a b2b channel but if you start talking about uh, maybe a discord channel for example or you know uh, sorry or server like you know or anything like that yeah. um might be interesting absolutely but when it comes to tracking things uh, even if you want it, uh, then it's like, can I actually like, you know, look at this data? Can you, can you, can I extrapolate things uh, if they're supposed to be private messaging, right? Uh, can I actually get back to the brand and be like, hey, this is what, you know, we, we, we got, right? Uh, based on this ad and so on. So I think interesting to do maybe drop collections things, like something that is more like uh, having this feeling of private uh, drop, uh, you know, of a new item on the, on a menu or a new thing. So maybe hack type of things from brands to make them more personalized custom and having that feeling that you are in an enclosed group of community more than for the mass uh and then when it comes to uh private messaging i think that if social media are able to if they're able to bring them together the promo codes uh, on social media that would be great because if you see uh, an influencer that you like right promoting something imagine if you were able to copy the link and send it to a friend easily, right? With the same promo code that is going to still be in the in the social media. In that case, uh, everyone is winning, right? You get the discount, the influencer get more money, the brand sells more. And that, I think, is going to be even more prevalent in the dark messaging, right? The dark social, so mess- private messaging, because you want to send it only to friends and family compared to the mass. So a big opportunity is, but it's, I think that between privacy and APIs and everything is going to be a bit difficult. But what, what, what do you think uh, about that? Do you think there is opportunity there? Are you seeing any case studies? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that um, as we live more and more of our lives online, we express our identity uh, in different places, right? So mm-hmm. you've got places where you speak to uh, close friends and family, more acquaintances or strangers, but you share, you know, an affinity group or a bond, maybe like the same sports team or the same musician. Um, And then you've got, you know, these spaces where uh, you want to learn. So maybe you're following real estate investing or crypto tips Mm -hmm. and tricks, right? So you've got kind of these different expressions of your online persona and and, uh, different places where you connect and, and share content. And dark social has grown in prominence as a result, right? That you know, sometimes I want to be anonymous, right? Like on Reddit or other times I want to um, express a different aspect of myself, my professional identities on LinkedIn and my personal identities on Instagram. So um, dark social seems to be kind of another reflection of that. And also the ability to create groups and community and foster, you know, these smaller circles, but also tighter knit conversations rather than just, you know, the big broadcast platforms of here's everything about my life where we used to do that, you know, on Facebook um, 10 years ago, where it was a monolith. Now you've got kind of mm-hmm. more fragmented uh, expressions of identity online. But uh, I'm, I'm very curious. Thank you for asking that That point. it's uh, I think that no one talks enough about it, but it's a big chunk of the internet, right? Like the majority of things happens privately and not publicly. So you're yeah. totally right. It could be seen, something that is uh, right now is not like overseen. So might be uh, an interesting topic for, for, uh, for brands to look at. I just feel that they are yeah. still looking at things publicly. So, you know, the, the other one is too hard for brands to measure and get involved in. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe if brands want to launch a private community, hey, how do you find your Chipotle mm-hmm. super fans and make a discord for them? Or how do you, you know, if you're Starbucks, how do you um, lean into your app experience and your rewards and, and provide social elements to, to that? You know, maybe with Web3, we'll see more brands um, embracing that sense of community and finding ways to reward their super, super customers. Absolutely. And if you put gamification in that, as many brands are already doing with their apps, then you have a killer 
type of like you know driver for for traffic foot traffic uh, traction and so on so absolutely um james thank you so much for joining me today uh we we went through a lot you know but uh, i'm pretty sure that people listening in got a lot of like you know, knowledge from that you are very knowledgeable about these i've been in the industry uh, for many many years so you saw it changing and uh, and it's interesting to look into predictions and what is happening every single day in social media so again thank you so much for uh, for sharing that like you know predictions plus anything else that you know like in the is happening right now in the in the industry um, my pleasure yeah really enjoyed the conversation thanks for having me absolutely amazing james thank you so much again uh, this was the influence factor by the influencer marketing factory and i'll see you next week